Hi, and welcome to episode 31 of Imperial Hearts. Imperial Hearts is a show about Star Wars, and this week it's about Star Wars propaganda. Propaganda episode part two. That's right, we've already done a part one. Mm-hmm. Um, what episode is that? Seven. Episode seven, the propaganda episode. So you can, that's a extra one you can listen to first if you want. Yeah, that one's more of a meta-propaganda episode. This one is about specific propaganda because it's kind of like a bonus episode of the book club. Yeah, I think so. Because it's, um, we're sort of reviewing, talking about the canon of Pablo Hidalgo's Propaganda, A History of Persuasive Art in the Galaxy, which came out, um, last week. Right. A couple weeks ago. So, we're, uh, it was chock full of interesting details, and we are here to sort of run them down for you and talk about what we learned about Star Wars from the book. So before we get to that, do we want to talk about how was your Star Wars week? Uh, well, I bought the Heroes of the Resistance uh, pack for X-Wing, okay. which is uh, the new Millennium Falcon as piloted by Rey and Finn in The Force Awakens. Right. And it comes with a black one. Poe's signature T-70X wing and it comes with a whole bunch of new pilots and cards and we are going to play it. Yeah, we're going to play it tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to try it out. We've been as you might know from a previous episode, definitely hyped for this expansion. I'm excited to play Black One because I like playing Poe and it's a really nice little miniature of his ship. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, my Star Wars week, I guess I I read the book. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to read all of it, but... Yeah, it's not actually that long. I read it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I also, I read a lot this week about uh, Star Wars Destiny. Oh, cool. Because yeah. that's coming out pretty soon, I think. So, and I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm not feeling as excited for it as I was. Mm. Um, it seems like... Um, it's getting, like, mixed reviews. Okay. Um, some people really like it. Some people don't really like it. Mm. Um, a lot of people are complaining about the collectible aspect. Mm. Yeah. Especially given that this is a model that Fantasy Flight hasn't done with pretty much anything else. Yeah. Um, this is one of their only products that I can't think of any other products they make that is, like, a collectible... Like where you don't know what you're going to get in the pack? Yeah, like a booster pack, like right. Magic the Gathering. Hmm. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Fantasy Flight's new Star Wars dice game, where it's like collectible dice and cards. Hmm. It's I, just a weird choice for a game. I feel like, for me, uh, you know, it would probably be a fun game to play, but also... Um, I collect fake Star Wars cards already. Yeah. So I don't really want to collect more, like, random... That's the thing. I don't... I, I think if it was, like, Netrunner... Yeah. I would be more excited. But I don't want to collect a bunch of cards randomly. Isn't there actually a Star Wars card game like Netrunner? There is, yeah. It's not the greatest. It's not as good as Netrunner, which is good. Netrunner's really good. Yeah. I really like Netrunner. Um... Yeah, I've heard the Star Wars CCG, or the living card game LCG, is not the greatest. Mm. I mean, it might be worth it. If we can find a copy that's um, on sale, it might be worth reviewing it. Yeah. 
We still have to play Rebellion, too. Yeah, I've heard that's actually really good. Yeah, it's just the the base that's expensive, isn't it? It's like a hundred bucks, isn't it? Yeah, there's no there's no like base. It's like a right the whole game. It's the whole game. There's yeah. no like expansions right. yet anymore. <laughs> um, but it's like a hundred dollars. So yeah. I, mean, I was thinking maybe one time we could go to like a board game cafe and play it. Oh yeah, yeah. If they have it, it yeah, we should. Um, yeah, we have to get sense. like one of the bigger tables, but right. Yeah. Cool. Well, that sounds like a good, well, I was going to say it sounds like a good Star Wars week, but then if you're unconvinced about Destiny, then it was a mix. I was, here's my thoughts. Like, okay. I feel like they've had such success with their other Star Wars properties, like especially X-Wing and Armada, mm-hmm. that I feel like maybe they're just like, well, what other type of Star Wars game can we right. make? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't mean to accuse them of, like, a cash grab or whatever, but it it's just, like, a, it's a strange decision. Hmm. I don't know. I don't... I, I guess don't... I guess we'll see what people think about it once it, like, really comes out and sort of being widely reviewed. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I there's almost no reviews. Though. There's just, like, people who have it pre-reviewed. Right. You know? But um, one of the things that I like about it is that it has the sort of flavor of X-Wing where, you know, it's like, um, you like, oh, this, this is a character I like and another character I like versus other, yeah. you know, it's like got that quality of like make-believe pretending. Yeah, you like team building kind of. Team building, team, pretend team building that's fun about X-Wing. That's true. Um. So that like that was kind of what I was excited about, but I don't know. Yeah, well, that's fair. I'm excited about X Wing. I don't we, think we ever talked about um, having played the uh, a couple weeks ago. We played um, the new Special Forces Tie Fighter. Finally, yeah, you, a, you played it. I did play it, um, and it was pretty good. Um, it ended up getting shot down. Yeah. Um, and I, I wouldn't say so much that I won so much as you lost because your your last guy hit an asteroid. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was up. really close. It was really close. We each had like two One or two whole points, points left, left. And your poor guy clipped an asteroid and, and yeah. didn't make it. So Exactly. Um, but the Special Forces tie did go down, but um, it, was, it was really fun to play. The double gunning is... Uh, the firing twice is a pretty cool mechanic. Yeah, it's cool. So do you have anything else to talk about? or That was it that I did this week. Okay, let's go right into our review of the book then. Or it's not really a review, I guess. Like, no. We can review it pretty straight up. Like I think I really liked it. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. Um, I don't know if I would recommend it to everyone, though. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's $50, and for me... Like, you bought it, mm-hmm. and I'm glad you bought it, because then I can read it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if it's something that I would read a second time. Um, it's, um, like, um, you said, like, uh, it's like a coffee table kind of book. Yeah, it's a coffee table. It's a big, <laughs> sort of, like, glossy uh, coffee table type book. Um, comes in a fancy slip cover. It comes with ten propaganda posters, that are separate you can come you can take them out and frame them i put a couple up at work and um yeah it's kind of it's it's not like a novel or a um 
you know, something like that, you can kind of like pick it up and flip through it because it's got sort of modular descriptions of, you know, various pieces of artwork and propaganda throughout the like four major uh, eras of the modern Star Wars canon. And it's written from an in-world perspective. So it's written from like a Star Wars historian, like a, yeah. a, a galactic historian's perspective, um, that which is, is, so- is really cool. It's yeah. really interesting. That's what I wanted to talk about first was like just how cool it is that it exists. Yeah. Um, because there aren't a lot of books written like that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because it was written by Pablo Hidalgo, who's like one of the story group guys that I'm sure... Yeah, I'm sure by now you know who that is. Pablo Senpai. (laughs) Um, Exactly. I think it's it's a unique, it's a very unique book because it is written by him. So he knows all the connective fibers of the world. He's the ideal author for a book that's in world. Yeah. I almost don't think anyone else would be able to write this book in quite that way. Mm -hmm. um, Because it feels very much written by someone who lives in that world who just like references offhand things yeah and um, who just understands so much about the history that it it's yeah, off the cuff almost exactly like yeah. under exactly understands the world mm-hmm. in a way that like it would be very difficult for anyone else to write this yeah book. you definitely couldn't get an outsider like the, the people who write the novels Absolutely. Like, it couldn't, it couldn't it wouldn't be work. someone like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's what I enjoyed most about this book was its perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of little things mentioned that I didn't know about or yeah. or just, like, really made me think a lot. Um, uh, so I think this book really is worth it if you are a Star Wars lore nerd. Yeah. Um I mean, because you bought it, I didn't have to, but I, uh, I would consider it. It's it's cool. I it's think, pretty cool. I think like yeah. um, the addition of the posters is kind of a really cool added benefit. Like, yes, which the, are all also in world posters. Yeah, 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 they're really cool, and um, I'll post some of them in the show notes uh, for you. They're really fun, and um, it's uh, like it's a cool kind of Star Wars art to put on your wall because it's sort of yes. Yeah, that, like we're always talking about, like with the smugglers' bounty boxes, we want the stuff to be in, in world. world. Yeah, and so it's so much cooler that the the posters are like posters that real, well, you know what I mean, real people, like people in the Star Wars universe would have had exactly um, yeah around, and they can see them. So um, I think that's really cool. Yeah, and I that's that sort of worth the price of admission for sure. It, I think, yeah. Especially if you can get it a little bit cheaper. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe on Amazon or something. Yeah. And it'll probably go on sale eventually. And yeah. um, So, yeah, I think one thing I wanted to to talk about, the one thing that broke this for me, Mm -hmm. the like suspension of disbelief, Mm -hmm. was the clip, uh, what do you call it? Photographs from the movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That threw me off a little right. bit. So, like, every once in a while, they'll they'll reference a historical right. event, and they'll show a picture from one of the movies. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And it, it doesn't look like a photograph from... True. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. It, it's true. That's what broke my suspension of disbelief, was yeah. that 
Um, yeah, like I'm thinking of the one that Roundtable on Hoth of the Rebellion. Yeah, yeah it doesn't that, make any sense. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of photographs in this book that no person could have taken. Yeah, and and I don't think Star Wars photographs look like our photographs. No, probably not. They're like hollows. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so that's true. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish those weren't in there. Yeah. Um, I also have this suspicion that this was written kind of like the visual dictionary. Like where he had to fill space? <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about that on one of the episodes about how um, one of the uh, publishing criteria for Pablo's visual dictionaries is that the page layouts have to be filled. Uh, yeah. Like they have to be balanced. So if they've got this big picture of Kylo Ren, he's got his hand up in the air and there's like some blank space. Pablo's like, they're like, put a quote here. And he's like, uh, what am I going to say about Kylo Ren's finger? And then he has to say that his accusatory finger, you know, <laughs> so. Definitely. Because yeah. there was a lot of circumstance. Like, I think the art was made before it was written. Right. Because there's a lot of circumstances where the author is like, Darth Vader was not usually used in propaganda. But here is one of the rare examples where he is. And that happens five times. <laughs> um <laughs> I feel like um, the impression that I got was that they farmed out. They're like, it's almost right. like a contest where right. they were like, make some propaganda for Star Wars. Yeah. Go. And then they're like, okay, and let's then come they, up with some stories for them. Yeah, right. that's sort of what it felt like at certain points. I think that's an interesting commentary, too, because yeah. uh, we can talk about this, this later um, as part of a larger discussion, because so much of Star Wars lore is backronyming like that. Of course. Yeah, They're, yeah, yeah. That's they, a great word. Yeah. <laughs> Backronyming. Back, yeah. It's like, you know, you really want your yeah, organization yeah. to be called S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. So you have yeah. to come up with a, totally. a, a thing for it. So, so much of Star Wars lore is justifying the decisions that are already there yes. in a logical way. Totally. That it's like, that's exactly the kind of um, example of that. Where they're, okay, we got this propaganda poster, so we better come up with a story for it. Yeah, that's yeah, it's true, and we'll get into that later because I have some, I have some things to say about about the backronyming of the lore in, I, in this context. I agree. I think um, the stuff I liked most was the Clone Wars era stuff. That stuff was really cool. I agree. It felt the most um, seamless to me. Yeah, where a lot of the galactic war stuff felt kind of like mm, this doesn't feel quite yeah. right. I am okay. Okay, let's start. Let's start in order. So we'll talk about the Clone Wars stuff okay, first. Because sure. I, I do. I I totally agree. It just felt a little off. And yeah, I want to talk about what made it off for me. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah. Okay, um, so let's start with Clone Wars. So um, this was sort of a combination old or a new Old Republic. Does that make sense? Yeah. Modern Republic era Clone Wars. Um, you know, rise of uh, the Separatists. And the beginning of the Clone Wars and uh, the Clone Trooper program and stuff. And there was some really interesting stuff in here. Agreed. Uh, including something that I didn't know about, which was how little the Jedi featured in everyday life for people in the Republic. And basically, the Jedi don't appear in Republic propaganda. They don't appear in Republic media. And... So they kind of have a PR problem. 
But also, do you, do you think that the reason that's written in this book is because th- then it makes more sense in the trilogy that people don't believe in Jedis? I think it's both. I think, I think a, like, you know, the, the Empire suppresses the yeah, stories of the yeah, Jedi, so yeah. people forget about them sooner. But also, um, public opinion turns against the Jedi so harshly at the end of the, the Republic right. that they had to set up why that would make sense. Okay, how how right. could how could the whole galaxy turn against the Jedi so quickly to, as to um, justify Order sixty six when right. Palpatine is like the Jedi betrayed the Republic? Everyone's like, oh yeah, you know that that makes sense. I get it, you know. And in the context of what they did with the propaganda here and sort of some of the history, it actually does make sense. You're like, yeah, I can see why the Coruscanti were were willing to believe that the Jedi would betray yeah, um, yeah. Palpatine and, and the Republic like that. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I think it just felt very natural that the Jedi wouldn't be in the propaganda. Yeah, they were kind of a... Not secretive, but they kept to themselves, kind of. Yeah, I really liked all the stuff in here where they talk about... Um, making the clones like the face of the army yeah you know like the the boys in white yeah i like that boys in white thing it was very yeah. um, world war Two. you know yeah i really liked that and mm-hmm. like it really makes sense um even like how it carries through to um the galactic era you know like a new hope or whatever where yeah. like people still are distrustful of droids and won't let them into bars yeah um and how, you know, you would be a bit more trusting of stormtroopers mm-hmm. because you're used to, you know... Their... Yeah, these these white armored troopers being who you're rooting for. Yeah. And I, I thought, like, too, with the Jedi, one of the things that they um, talk about in the book with the Jedi is that it became public knowledge that a Jedi had commissioned the clone army. Interesting. Like, it was Count Dooku, of course... But, but but it's not that's it, not what the public yeah, and yeah. The, the distinction that Dooku wasn't a Jedi anymore you know that's the the public got that but, but he was the only Jedi yeah and now he's not only is he the face of the separatists he's like the most prominent separatist who's trying to like rabble rouse out of the Republic but he also um, and they don't know that Dooku commissioned the clone army they just know the Jedi got this this clone army because the republic doesn't have a military until this point yeah so the jedi are like their martial force and they're not deployed very often but uh when they are um you know now they've got this clone army and everyone's like well good you know we got to fight the separatists but it sort of painted them as sort of inherently untrustworthy because this had all been done in secret and um you know, it it didn't really matter to them that, you know, Yoda didn't sanction it. What do they know about the Jedi Council? Nothing. Yeah, I have... That's the thing I found most interesting about this book, was that it's not... Um, it's from a very unbiased perspective mm-hmm. um, that's set in, the, like, episode seven. Yeah. Um, and especially because in a lot of... Because we talked about before how, like... Um, the Clone Wars TV show and the Rebels TV show feels like propaganda. Yeah, yeah. But it's not. And you know it's not now Mm -hmm. because the Jedi aren't featured in propaganda. Yeah. 
Um, and so, like, the Rebels show couldn't be propaganda because nobody's going to remember the story of... Yeah. According to this textbook, you know, like, nobody knows the story of fucking Kanan. And, yeah. And I, I think, too, what's interesting about that is that... Um, and I think this is a bit of a flaw in the overall storytelling where all of your point of view characters in pretty much all the movies so far are Jedi. And so... And they're such a minority. Yeah, the Jedi are super tiny minority. Like one per planet. Yeah. Yeah. And then so you've got all of these movies um, and TV shows set from the perspective of the Jedi. Yeah. And then so... You know, we've said this before. Like, well, what do regular people think? Like, what are what are people like thinking <laughs> yeah, about this? Yeah. And it turns out they hardly know anything about it. Yeah. So um, the perspective that we get from the movies is so narrow that I was, I'm a little disappointed that we don't get more of that perspective from the media. Agreed. Um, yeah. You know, where by Rogue One, it's almost too late. Because the Jedi are gone by then. They've been gone for 20 years. But a, like a Coruscant PD show set yeah. like, you know, right after Revenge of the Sith or right before. I guess the marketing department. It's like. Yeah, people this, like Jedi. I've asked I've asked for this from everything, you know, like yeah. I really want um, a, ver- a fucking cop show set in every universe. You know, like, <laughs> exactly. I want, Cops and lawyers. Like, I want a cop show in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yeah. I want a cop show in the Pokemon universe. Yeah. I yeah, want, yeah. I just want like a fucking, I don't know, procedural dramas. Yeah. Set in every fantasy universe. I'd, I'd kill for Law and Order Coruscant. Yeah. It would be amazing. Yeah. And there, there are no Jedi involved. Yes. No Jedi it's just regular people trying to make this shit work. And and I think that would be um, a place where we could see this kind of information that is implied by this book to exist. You know, like this public opinion um, that really has nothing to do with the Jedi. That's kind of what we're getting with Rogue One. Well, that's what I mean. But yeah. by then, the Jedi have been gone for 20 years. Right. Like, so, yeah, sure. we're getting regular people, but it's yeah. not in that perspective. And even then, of, of course, we we probably don't. I hope we don't have any Jedi in Rogue One. I hope there's not like, oh, here's a new here's a new character who survived Order sixty six. Like, yeah, or like like Jin turns out to be Force sensitive. Yeah, and, and she gets a lightsaber at the end of the movie, and like, that's you know. not gonna happen. No, I know, I better hope. not. Yeah, <laughs> but there, you know, the ever growing list of Jedi who survive Order sixty six. Yeah, is, like uh, seriously. <laughs> It's, you know, so let's have a movie without the Jedi and we can see, like, what the galaxy is like from somebody else's perspective. Definitely. I like that a lot. But that was a really interesting part of the lore in the book was was how logical it it seemed from the public's perspective totally. to, to buy into what Palpatine was doing. And they would have no idea that he was behind setting up the Clone Wars in the first place. How would they? No. So it it made sense and it sort of the tide of goodwill that he uh, created the Empire on, like, it seemed logical. You're like, yeah, this makes sense. Can we talk about Palpatine? Yeah. So there's, like, so much about Palpatine in this book, um, which, like, answers a lot of the questions I had Mm -hmm. about how this creepy fucking (laughs) warlock got in charge. Yeah. But, like... um, they talk about public images of Palpatine being from before he was deformed. Yeah. 
um, which is what I assumed, mm-hmm. right? But in some of the comics and stuff, that's not consistent. Yeah. Because um, I know in, in some of the comics I'd been reading recently, the pictures, the like propaganda of the emperor just looks like... All right, the gross hooded, old empire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, which doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, but I really got like a 1984 kind of vibe. Yeah, definitely. Where like the emperor is like, you know, you're... They talk about him as being kind of a father figure, mm-hmm. um, and he's going to take care of you, but just, like, you know, trust him, and, yeah. like, don't, you know, he really needs your help, so we're going to have to give him all of our taxes and all of our power, but yeah, but he's going to take care of us. Stick um, together, don't, you know. Yeah, and and then it, like, and it sort of really gets into, like, this 1984 territory, and yeah. once um, the Clone Wars are over... Mm-hmm. Like surveillance and reprogramming. Yeah, and they have centers. you know they have a Ministry of Information. And yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. sort of classic, uh, classic dystopian sort of. And even uh, I like yeah. that some of the things we talked about uh, reading Tarkin last week. Um, you know, some of the organizations like Compnor. You know, Comp-Nor. which is like you know, I love Compnor. Yeah, me too. And it's like Compnor and ISB and stuff, which is very Cold War too. Like yes, it's got. Um, so that sort of heightened paranoia and uh, like dystopian authoritarianism is is you know it's very Cold War so totally. and and I mean and like NSA and that kind of surveillance um, yeah but without the uh, without the um, expectation of you know being murdered by stormtroopers in real life of course so far so far. Guess we'll see you tomorrow, eh, America? Uh, if fucking, no, it's not funny. I'm, I'm actually... It's really not funny. No, if, I'm if, sorry. It's not funny. If Trump gets elected, we're all fucked. I, uh, I had a legit anxiety dream about the U.S. election a couple days ago. I don't think he's going to get elected. Uh, yeah, me neither, but... But you never know. I also thought that about Bush in... Same, in, yeah. Uh, I, in I, remember, I remember thinking, like, I'm like... It's rigged. Yeah, I was like, there's no way they're going to re-elect Bush in 2004. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, and, I, then, yeah. and then they did. And so... Yeah, it must have been rigged. But I hope, <sighs> I hope this one isn't rigged, because that would, that would suck. Yeah, so... Maybe this is... Yeah, no, this is... Uh, this, this is too real. Too real. This episode's going to be an interesting time capsule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Either our unfounded anxieties or our... Uh, apocalyptic visions come to pass. Definitely. So. I think the strangest thing that I found about Bush, sorry to keep going on yeah. this, but was that like the whole public thought he was a joke. Yeah. But he still got elected. I know. It was like, well, and that, like that's the, the thing media, with Trump. Like, how... The media portrays Trump too as like yeah. a clown, you know, like he's not taken seriously by any media outlet that yeah. I consume anyway, but I yeah I don't know it just seemed like such a long shot that Bush was gonna be re- but um, I don't know yeah it's weird John Kerry was not exactly the most thrilling alternative yeah in two thousand four right and Hillary Clinton is just also bad but better than Trump <laughs> I don't like America is barely ready for a female president like. America yeah. is flipping its lid about this whole woman thing, and yeah. it's 
Ugh. Anyway, ugh. now this episode is all too real about um, in the context of the rise of the Galactic Empire, which is the next era in this book. <laughs> I mean, it's very, yeah, it's very applicable. Yeah, it is. Um, um, so... Yeah, I thought I thought what you said uh, you alluded to, but the anti-droid bias was a really interesting um, aspect yes. of this book. This book is so sympathetic towards droids. Yeah, and it it you can sort of see why people would, um, you know, they they did say about how sometimes your household droids could be sort of remotely hacked by the separatist droids and yes. sort of turn against you. So people had this real fear of their droids and like people had household droids like protocol droids and um you know droids like that and uh they had one of the propaganda posters which is like sort of a combination of my least favorite and my favorite like i love it uh, but i yeah. hate it yep um which is this poster uh kind of mirroring classic you know kind of loose lips sink ships kind of uh, propaganda posters from world war one and world war two of um a feminine droid, an extremely sexualized feminine droid, which yes. we do not see in other media. Yes, you do. You see it in Clone Wars. Oh, they're in Clone Wars? Yes, they are. Oh, man. I mean, not much, but I was going to say, like, whoa, there are droids that, I mean, they do a more pinup style right? in that, in that specific one, mm-hmm. but... They have some mm. very sexy droids in <laughs> in a few of the scenes okay. in Clone Wars. Okay. Yeah, they're like personal assistant droids. Yeah, that's what they called her. Which are idealized forms of yes. humans. And do, and by personal assistant, do they mean like sex robots? Like or like why do no? You... It's like you know, like that's what it's like. Your assistant. Yeah. Why is she so sexy though? <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. I mean, it seems like something people would do. Yeah, no, it's like something men men would do. (laughs) For sure. For sure. I was rewatching the Oral Knots. Um, I was going to say, I was rewatching, like, Revenge of the Sith, but I was actually actually rewatching, like, (laughs) Jedi Party Part 3 or whatever. Um, And there's actually, there are, like, um, feminine protocol droids in that, too. Oh. I don't think I've ever paid attention to them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good that there's, like, feminine body protocol droids yeah. because it makes robots less default male, which yeah. is weird anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, there's a certain line where it's like, mm, you're making them sexy, aren't you? Yeah. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, because female bodies exist to be sexy. Exactly. So and, it's a strange line, yeah. right? Because it's like... And if they aren't, then they aren't female. Yeah. Which is, is um, you know, just a message that you get in real life. And yes. of course, it, it just translates here into the droids. Yeah, like, the, it should be no problem for there to be feminine-bodied droids. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, droids with sort of more feminine features. Yeah. Um, but then your mind's like, mm, that's a weird sex robot. But it's like, no, that's just what a girl looks like. Um I mean, in that poster. It, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, they were clearly like, yeah, because there's a difference between a feminine body and a sexualized female body. Agreed. Agreed. Body. Agreed. And so, that, and that, like, I agree with you yeah. that, that specific 
propaganda yeah. was like a sexy pinup droid. Yeah. And and so Which I'm also all for. No, she's super cute. That's definitely the point. Yeah. Like where she's super cute. Yeah. And um so the poster has uh her kind of turned back towards the camera and um So you can see the tits and the ass. Yeah, you know classic as, shot. As you do. Yeah. Yeah. And uh there's a mask of like General Grievous sort of shadow in the background. Yeah. And it basically says, like, do you know who she's talking to? Wipe your droid's memory regularly. And you're like, oh, <laughs> gross. Like, oh, my God. And it's it, gross on several levels. It's gross on so many levels. But, like, in, a, in, a, in an interesting way. Not, yeah, yeah. not in a, um, like, gross, why did they make this? But in a, like, oh, why do people have this attitude kind of way. Definitely. Um, and you can totally see that. Like you can see that happening, I can. I feel like that that's a very realistic because um, they had real like. Um, I don't know if you've seen the sort of posters from. I think it happened a lot in World War Two. Uh, they would have a lot of posters where like a soldier would be telling his girlfriend back home like something he found out, and then she would gossip to her girlfriend, and then her girlfriend was like a fucking german spy or something and it would get back to hitler yeah kind of thing and there was a lot of like don't talk about military secrets kind of thing in front of your girlfriend basically because obviously at that time it was like only men are getting military secrets so they're worried about um them telling people about it so yeah it sort of echoes that um you know you've got this untrustworthy female droid specifically Yes. You know, who, yeah. who is... It's not like an R2. It's not yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not an R2. It's a sexy yeah. personal assistant droid who's, you know, either been hacked against her will or is a separatist spy. And yeah. so the solution to that is to wipe her memory. You know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a good poster in, in a, the worst way. <laughs> it's got a, yeah, it's got a lot of levels to it. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I also just really like in this book how the author is super um, just empathetic towards the way droids were treated mm-hmm. in the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. um, where he talks about how, like, you know, the propaganda on the side of the Republic was very anti-droid, mm-hmm. and then the propaganda on the side of the Separatist was very much like, droids are expendable, that's why we use them. yeah. Um, so, like, the droids didn't win either way. Mm-hmm. Did you also notice that one of the post- the Separatist posters was made by a droid artist? Oh, I think I might have missed that. It was, like, because um, they all had... Yeah, the, the artist. Artist who they're by. And, and this one, it was, uh, it was, like, a code. Oh. It was, like, you know... Yeah. A-R-T-I-S-T. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. A R T one S T. Yeah, it's a little on the nose, but yeah. but no, it was like a droid who made it. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I really like like it. Sort of hints to me that like we we've talked about before how we think droid droid rights may have progressed by Force mm-hmm. o- Force Awakens. Yeah, it feels like they have. Mm-hmm. Um. Um, where, like, maybe droids don't have, like, owners anymore. Yeah. You know, people are much more respectful when they talk to droids. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that's sort of, I feel like this is a point in that favor. Yeah, um, agreed. Because the author feels very much... Um, yeah, the, the yeah. author feels like this was wrong. Yes, like the, it was wrong the, to, to it, use... Yeah. yeah, and I think that makes sense, you know, especially in the context of... Um, you know, real life wars where that happened, you know, in World War Two, where um, the West had internment camps yeah. for Japanese citizens um, because you were inherently believed to be untrustworthy mm-hmm. by virtue of being Japanese because of the war in Japan. So, um, you know, all it's like that has precedent for um, people sort of immediately turning against members of a group that you're otherwise at war with, even if you have they have nothing to do with it. Your protocol droid is probably not a separatist, or maybe they're not. You don't know. Like, yeah. Or you probably you should know because you should know them. But um, your protocol droid isn't necessarily a separatist. But now that you're at war with droids, it feels like you're at war with all droids. Agreed, yeah. And uh, I thought that was an interesting way to sort of show that and it's also really tragic agreed Sad. yeah yeah it is there's also an interesting passage where the author says like um you know they didn't think about you know these droids also didn't want to much like the clones these droids also didn't choose to go to war yeah um which i think is just really interesting thing for the author to say yeah um Especially, like, just given the rest of the media that we've seen in the Star Wars universe often doesn't treat droids as having a lot of free will. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, Especially battle droids. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. I think there's um, so much room for more droid stuff, like, in, in the Star Wars universe. And, and you're thinking about, um, like, the range of droid AI. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you've got... All the way from super intelligent, very empathetic, and very humanized uh, droids like protocol droids and um, like 3PO, you know, who's essentially like he's basically he's just a person. Yeah. You know, 3PO is, yeah. is a person. Um, and so is R2. Like, you know, where yeah. R- R2 is, is also uh, an intelligent and emotional, um, you know, creature who's fully capable of understanding and communicating with you on the level of, um, you know, any of the other characters. Um, and then you've got, uh, droids like battle droids who have sort of proto personalities, but are sort of, you know, it's sort of unclear. It is unclear. I feel like in the animated shows, they have more personality. Yeah. Um, where in the movies, they don't as much. Mm -hmm. So, and then you've got, and then like, of course you've got, um, this uh, like I've got a soft spot for interrogator droids, as we know, and it's like yeah. they have fake, per- like they have no personalities on purpose. They've got like really flat voices, so that you know they don't More betray scary. any emotion. Um, but they obviously have some sort of AI. But do they have feelings about it? Do they want to do a good job? Are they sad about doing a good job? Like what? Like would would you, you would program a droid like that to want to do its job? But anyway, it's just yeah. like droids are tools, but they're also people, and it's kind of messed up. So it makes, but it kind of makes sense that they do 
um, you know, the clone thing is also messed up. So I think, like, uh, talking about the Imperial propaganda, and then you had um, the clone army decommissioned at the end of the Clone Wars and replaced with, like, a volunteer army. Yeah. The sort of mostly recruited stormtroopers. And I think, like, that would have been an interesting choice for Palpatine to make to sort of engender that sort of goodwill that he's capitalizing on, where he's like, look, we're perfectly aware that these, like, 13-year-old men, basically, because they age at an accelerated rate, but they point out in the book that some people um, were really uncomfortable about the fact that the clones were technically, like, 13 years old. Um, where they're like, okay, well, all these clones are retiring now. And now you have to volunteer to be in the Imperial Imperial Army. Yeah. You're, you're no longer, like, bred from birth to be in the Army. I really like that part of the book because mm-hmm. they do have this point where they kind of say how a lot of citizens wanted to join. Yeah. Because for, for years they've been watching the clones on television. Yeah. Um, and they've been hearing about how brave these clones are. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, now you can be one. Yeah. You can you know? be one of the boys in white. Yeah. have been cheering on. Yeah. You totally. don't have to just give us all your tax money. Instead, you can join. Yeah. And not, like, you know. Totally. Because um, that's another thing they mention is how, like, everyone starts near the end of the Clone Wars. People are cutting, getting a bit bitter. Mm-hmm. that all their money's going towards financing, like, clone armies that they yeah. don't necessarily all agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that stuff was really interesting, too. Yeah. yeah. It was... Um, the book had a lot of, uh, like, classic parallels with real-life wars and, yeah. and propaganda, yeah. and I think that was um, that was a good choice. Yes. Like, it, it felt very grounded in... Um, what it would actually have felt like. Easy to imagine. Yeah. 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 So then the next, so I want to talk about some of the Empire. Let's talk about the Empire stuff and like why. I have one more point oh, about okay. the Clone Wars. Clone Wars. I like how they have that one poster of Count Dooku. Oh, yeah. And they're like, and it's it's a picture of him from the Clone Wars cartoon. Yeah. And he's like a ridiculous caricature. Um in that show mm-hmm. and I've always thought it was weird how he's so caricatured yeah and the author says like you know often he was caricatured this way in posters mm-hmm. to make him look kind of scary yeah I was like that's really interesting yeah and the author said um, um you know in in the media he was often described as like dignified and patrician and handsome yeah. like and and Christopher Lee is a handsome man like he's not he he looks like a nice old man, like when they don't make him look scary on purpose, like a Saruman. Like he looks, <laughs> you know, he looks like your grandpa. So yeah. Um, but because he's a villain, he's got this like yeah absurd caricature, and it was kind of cool to play on that. And I was also cool. yeah, I was like so was like you know Clone Wars was propaganda. Yeah, then? like what is yeah. <laughs> anyway, some connection there. Yeah, um, I like that mention. Um. But yeah, I think I don't have any other points about. Um, yeah, we can move on to the Empire's, Empire stuff. Yeah. So, what did uh, tell me what you thought about the sort of offness? I want to hear about that. I just felt like it was very. I mean, we don't see this point of view very often, but it did feel a lot more dystopian. Yeah. 
than we see in something like Lost Stars, for instance. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It felt way more scary to exist in that. But I mean, given, like, when you think about it, this book is written um, in the future. It's not written. It's not written. It's a history book, right? So. And the Empire loses. And the Empire loses. So they may be exaggerating. Yeah. History is written by the victors. Exactly. Whereas, like, Lost Stars, we don't see. It's like being a part of the Empire is not that bad. Yeah. At least to start with. At least with. in the beginning, yeah. Although the, the main characters that we see are like good little cadets. They don't ever have to worry yeah. about half of this stuff. Yeah. And and um, I think like um, because the, the characters in Lost Stars don't even know about, don't even think about the like loyalty office that we find out about in Aftermath. Exactly. Where like you've got the people whose job it is to like root out... Um, and that's much more in line with what we see yeah. in this. So it, it's, yeah. um, I, I completely agree because one of the things that I found when I was reading the, the Empire section and the sort of rise of the Rebellion era, I was like, I, I feel like it's just, just too much hair on this, on the side of, um, yeah. like too much. It was just a little bit too like, much. This is just a bit too much. And like um, one of the things that stuck out to me as as the specific one that I thought was too much was when they were talking about the empire like repealing anti-slavery legislation, and I was like, I feel okay, and like obviously but that's canon though. I know, but yeah, well, so, but they had two points in that that section. Okay, one where they were talking about how they made a concerted effort to. Um, make a distinction between races of aliens that they believed were like sentient versus non-sentient. Yeah. So like they did, they had kind of like an anti-Wookiee propaganda campaign so that people would believe that Wookiees weren't, you know, sentient so that they were like justified in putting them to work on the Death Star and stuff like that. But the thing is that I feel like they also campaigned on law and order for the outer rim which had like there's a lot of like they you know like the the republic was sort of like famously lax about the outer rim which mm. is part of what they talk about in the beginning of the book and and then you've got the empire and the emperor like campaigning on safety and like you know we've had this terrible war we're going to bring order and unity to the galaxy and I feel like that Wookiee thing's always been a part of the story, though. I know, and it's a part of aftermath. It's a part of I know. So, like specifically, Wookies, like them having a smear campaign against Wookies because they want to use them yeah, for, make, for no, labor. That makes sense. Okay. What I'm saying is, like, they didn't need to repeal wide anti-slavery legislation to do that because they were already making the distinction that Wookies weren't people. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, right. Like, so w- Wookiees aren't people, so it's so quote unquote okay. I see. That makes more sense. Yeah, but yeah. keep it illegal because you're campaigning on law and order. Right. Whereas, like you know, the slavery that we see on Tatooine, for example, of of humans and Twi'leks and like mm-hmm. sort of higher order quote unquote sentient beings, we know that Wookiees are sentient too, obviously. Um, is like that's the kind of stuff that it seemed like Palpatine was sort of campaigning on. So I felt like it was a little too, you know, they cracked down too early 
on mm-hmm. yeah maybe um, but that was just you know I think because this was written from the future it is a little bit yeah. biased against the empire which I, it's fair you know they blew up Alderaan with a Death Star yeah so and they mentioned they talk about that a lot yeah yeah um I thought it was really interesting that they do mention that the obviously the Death Star and Darth Vader were not used widely in, yeah. in, in propaganda. I think that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, especially Vader. Like, yeah. He's not exactly warm and fuzzy looking, so... I feel like I've been learning a lot about Vader recently. Mm-hmm. Like, between Tarkin and mm-hmm. this book. Um, where he, like, wasn't ever mentioned or featured. Yeah. And... I, I really liked, um, we didn't talk about this in Tarkin, so, you know, we know that Tarkin figures out that Vader and Sidious are, like, sort of Sith Lords, and he's like, yeah, this this is a whole weird dark force thing. Yeah. It's weird, but I'm into it. Um, <laughs> um, but then, uh, in Aftermath and Life Debt, we see Ray Sloan thinking about um, Vader, and her, you know, she, at her level of command, they had sort of heard vague rumors that Darth Vader had, you know, he was uh, he was some sort of, like, dark, I don't know. But, you know, that's kind of weird. And is that really true? You know? Yeah. Where, um, so it's, like, even one step down from Tarkin, that legend right. fades into myth, almost. Where yes. Where people just don't, like, interact with Vader. So it's not like they know firsthand all the stuff that he can do. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, his reputation precedes him. Yeah, but not specifics. People yeah. aren't quite sure. It's not like they know that he's a force user necessarily. Yeah, exactly. So that was interesting. Um, What's your next point? I don't have a lot to say about the Galactic Empire stuff other than that. Do you? One thing I want to talk about that is sort of... Uh, jumping off from this book is I feel like one of the questions, there's a couple of questions that have never been satisfactorily answered by canon for me yet. And one of them is why the Death Star? Why? I know that still sticks out to me as, I mean, because that was what, yeah, because it's in the movie. (laughs) If it wasn't in the movie, it wouldn't, he's, like, it doesn't fit with the rest of the story. Yeah, why? Like, I haven't heard a satisfactory explanation for why. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, no, and uh, it's like, the only thing it supports, which I'm still here for, is like Palpatine versus the Yizong Vong, like 30 years from now. Yeah. Where it's like, why? why would you need to build this? Why would you think this was a good idea? Because it's like Palpatine, the more that we've been seeing about Palpatine... And why would you use it at Alderaan so early and turn everyone against you? Yeah. Like... Like, it's not even... Like, we see Palpatine not really caring about the Empire, but... Yeah, Palpatine doesn't even authorize it. But it's like he did in the first place. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't authorize, like, using it. No, he's like, yeah, Moff Tarkin's your. Yeah, this is your. But it was, like, it was presumably Palpatine's idea to build it in the first place. Like, what did he. Did he hear about it in a dream? Like. Oh, he got those bug boys to build it for him. I know, but why? (laughs) He had a bit, like, he had a vision that this was a thing you should do. Like, it's just. 
because what we've been seeing about Sidious is that he has his own agenda and the Empire is kind of just like a tool to achieve that agenda, it feels like the Death Star doesn't really fit in that agenda unless he's going for that really long game like Palpatine and the Empire versus a greater threat. Maybe we'll learn more about it in Rogue One. I know, I'm thinking that like Catalyst might have some... Like Krennic and Galen Erso are sort of involved in the early conception of it, and there Maybe. may be sort of sort of justification of why they would think this was a good idea. But yeah, it's it's built pre Empire, like it's already partially construct. Like it's weird. Why? Why this thing? I don't know. It's that's a question that has never been answered for me, and I I I just feel like it doesn't really make sense. It's just. Doesn't make sense. No. Because they do deploy it pretty early. And yeah, I don't know how they thought they were going to... It's just like... Tarkin thought that because people would be afraid of the Empire, they would never rebel against it again. Because that's what he had been taught. I guess. He was wrong. Very wrong. But... I I don't know. I, I think that's... We're stuck kind of covering for that movie. Yeah. Um, the other movies make more sense. Yeah. That one was the first one, so there's the most stuff that has to be fit into this wider tapestry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I feel like even Starkiller Base, like blowing up, like destroying the Hosnian system and the Republic had like a goal. Yeah. Where they really just wanted to burn things down. They yeah, like, it made more sense. It, like, the First Order are radicals. Yeah. Where the Empire is the government. Yeah. And they have to maintain, like, the status quo. Yeah. It just seems like blowing up a whole planet is not a super good way to maintain that status quo. No. And even if you wanted to, yeah, why would you build this giant... Threatening... Battle, like... And name it the Death Star. <laughs> name it the Death Star. Like, come on. <laughs> Like, I get, you know, they're trying to rule by fear. Yeah, but that that is, like, it's such an extreme, like, because they had to be intelligent enough to have built it in the first place, nobody at, at the conception stage was like, um, may- so what's the goal for this? Maybe we just shouldn't think about this no, I, I, part. Yeah, no, I think we just, like, yeah, sure, it's cool and evil. Because it is cool. And evil. And evil. But... I don't know. I feel like what would they have done? Do you think we're going to get more Death Stars in Star Wars movies? Do you think we're going to get Starkiller Base 2? God, I hope. No. No way, right? Come on. (laughs) I don't know. I mean. I I feel like the reason they did Starkiller Base was obviously they were doing a deliberate New Hope parallel in episode 8. It wasn't a joke, but it was like a... Yeah. It was kind of a joke. Yeah. It was It was like a... It, it was a callback. Yeah. A per, like, a, an intentional callback. Yeah. But I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. Unless unless it's like that's the reveal at the end of Rogue One that they've got like a couple of Death Star seeds like hanging out there <laughs> in, the, in the galaxy and we're, they're like, oh no. I don't know. Starkiller Base did make... It felt like it made more sense to me yeah just because of the motive yeah the exactly the motive the motive made, made more sense yeah where, um it's still a ridiculous weapon yeah um but you know as a way to destroy an entire planet mm. 
I guess that makes sense. Yeah, and they just wanted you know, they wanted to destroy things. Yeah. Um, but the government wanted to destroy things to that degree. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So I feel like there's some. And I mean, the Death Star would make more sense too if, like, they picked a planet that was more rebellious as get, their target. I mean, I think that's what they were going for, where they sort of retcon that, like, you know, Alderaan's got all the rebel sympathizers in there. Okay. But what I want right. to know is, like, so if the Death Star hadn't been destroyed, like, a week later, how the hell would they have talked down that PR problem? I don't know. Like, the, I think yeah. the only reason, like, in Lost Stars... We see that the Imperial characters are able to sort of rationalize the Alderaan thing because a week later, the rebels blow up the Death Star and kill like two million people. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, well, see, they did it back. You know, and then I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I guess they're so, both pretty yeah. bad. I guess we're at war. This sucks. Um, but I get it. And I feel like if the Death Star hadn't been blown up, like, how do you then come back from that? I don't know. You can't. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, anyway, that's that's a thing that they don't talk about the Death Star a lot in this book because of that, probably. And they talk about it a little bit, and yeah. that's sort of what they talk about. It's, yeah. it's kind of bad PR. Yeah, exactly. It was bad PR. But it was like, then why Palpatine? Why? I don't know. He's Palpatine. He's Palpatine. He just likes to... Build giant lasers. Mm-hmm. He's Angkwong. <laughs> That's why. Can I talk about how cool it is that the the propaganda poster featured in the aftermath novel that Ray Sloan hates is in this book? Yeah. I thought that was the best tie-in ever. Yeah. Like that if you read, I think it was in Life Debt. Yeah. Um there's they're making propaganda posters mm-hmm. for the empire post like post destruction of the empire. Yeah. And I think Ray Sloan's like, oh, I don't, isn't that a bit on the head? Like, isn't yeah. that a bit of a nail on the head? Um, I can't you know, remember what the guy's name is, but... But he's credited in this yeah. in this book, so it's like his poster is in the book. Yeah, that's, cool. that was pretty cool. It's like the only direct one that we see in two pieces of media. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I also liked, um, did you hear the reference? Um, uh, they were talking about, about how Leia yeah. was... Um, Yvonne was mentioned. Yeah, Yvonne yeah. was like managed then, Leia's PR kind of. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, that was cool. There's a lot of little nods yeah. and references in this. And a couple of the propaganda posters are credited to Sabine. Yeah, that's From Rebels. Cool. Yeah. It's also cool. And then also the Empire tried to copy like Sabine's graffiti style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the artist who tried that got executed for <laughs> being too creative. Yeah, stop being so creative. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else? Yeah, I mean, that that was the main thing. Those are all my main <clears> points. <throat> yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting that they also didn't feature the sort of what would we what we would think of as the main characters of the movies in propaganda during agreed. the war. You know, there was no yeah. Leia, no Luke. There's a bit of Leia. But they said internal to the rebellion only. Right. They didn't like disseminate uh, propaganda with Leia until after the war. Right. When they were you know more famous oh yeah i also like that they have the poster from the bloodline book release yeah that one super cool leia for first senator yeah that was cool i wish that had been one of the posters that had come with i really like that poster that would have been good yeah you could get that one when the book was coming out but 
I was like, I don't think they had them in Canada, so. I wonder if they're on eBay. Probably. Because anyway. I think that's a really cool poster. Yeah, I agree. And I uh, like that. And also they had a propaganda poster that was a joke that had Poe as a really, <laughs> the like Poe recruitment poster. It's like one of the people made this as a joke, but we ended up using it and it was effective. Yeah. Yeah. Because they weren't actively recruiting resistance pilots. <laughs> and like, then somebody joked, like, if you put Poe Dameron on a poster, you could get some recruits. <laughs> I love that everyone in the Star Wars universe just acknowledges how handsome he is. Yeah. It's like an in-joke. Yeah, I love and it. so then they it ended up getting out and people actually joined. So they were like, hell yeah, I want to join that. It's like, yeah, no, that works. Yeah. So there, there's some really great lore nuggets in here. Um, totally. So I, I definitely agree. If you're a Star Wars lore nerd... Um, you will really like this. And if you're a propaganda buff, like I'm a propaganda buff, mm-hmm. um, this was super up my alley. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was well written and interesting. And uh, the art is great. It's a really nice book just to have. It's got a really cool slip cover. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was... Um, so is that it? About mm-hmm. our discussion? Yep. Okay, so I want to also just mention there was no new episode of Rebels this week. Yeah. So um, I guess we'll talk about episode, the Mandalorian episode is coming up. Yeah, Imperial Commandos. So we're going to talk about that next episode. Mm-hmm. Next week. Um, and I guess eventually we'll read Ahsoka. Yes. I haven't read, I haven't read, I haven't read it yet. But. Me neither. It might start soon. And I did hear there are some interesting character cameos in it. Like, should we not say it because it's a spoiler? I don't know. It was in like a like a little book jacket. Like I don't think it was. In, it wasn't in a deep spoiler review. So okay, I guess there are some like inquisitors. Interesting in the book makes so, sense. Mm. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how they tie in some of the other rebels characters. Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. So, anything else to talk about, or are we going to wrap this up? No, I think we're good for this week. Okay. Um, well, we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe you'll have picked up this book by then, because we... Re- yeah, definitely know, you like check it. it out. Cool. Or borrow it from me, if I know you in real life. <laughs> okay. Okay. It was a good day. Nobody died. Bye. If you'd like to find more stuff about Star Wars from me and Jamie, you can check out our website at imperialhearts.com or tweet at us at imperial underscore hearts. The music used in this podcast is clips from the song Breakfast with Tiffany by Broke for Free. Thank you for listening to the Imperial Hearts Podcast.